0: Welcome back to another episode of Kindred Conversations. I'm Brittany Fry. And I'm Paris Tews. And we have a really exciting guest on today, Madison Romney. She um, has the Instagram Flourishing Friend. Madison is a friendship enthusiast, researcher, and coach. She studied friendship at the University of Pennsylvania with luminaries in the field of positive psychology. Her research capstone has been downloaded more than 6,000 times, showing her that the world is craving more support in building, maintaining, and strengthening friendships. Through her real-world research, personal experience, and raw conversations with hundreds of women, she knows we all envision more for our friendships, and she's here to help make those dreams a reality. Madison, welcome to Kindred Conversations. Thank
1: you so much. You're so sweet. It's fun to hear kind of like my own experience and friendship and falling in love with the
2: topic repeated back to me so that was such a little <laughs> delight thank you for oh, that. I love that oh we're so excited to have you and we have to give our listeners a little bit of background as well we one of our friends I think it might have been Avery Harding actually who's been a guest on this podcast I want to say that's how I found your Instagram page she shared one of Aww. your posts almost a year ago and I I sent it to Brett immediately. I'm like we have to have her on our podcast. And so we have been anxiously awaiting this and we're so excited to dive in. And for the Thank format you. of this podcast, we asked our listeners questions and Madison actually does friendship coaching. So this is perfectly, this is what she does. She's ready to coach us through the questions that were asked. Yeah, Madison, I starting, starting out a little bit, telling us um,
0: ab- about why you're so interested in friendship and kind of um, yeah. I
1: don't know. Yeah. Give us, give us like the nitty gritty or the anecdotal story behind this. Totally. And it's funny that you say that Paris, cause it actually like Avery, our mutual friend was like the catalyst to actually starting the Instagram. So I can share oh, that I part of the story as well. Mm-hmm. She was it. like the one friend who was like, this is your dream. You should just do something about it. Um, so she's always part of kind of like my origin story for flourishing friend and the work I'm doing now. But so the reason I got interested in it, I feel like I was Pretty lucky to have like very normal, healthy friendships growing up, um, like in elementary school, middle school, up until college. Um, of course, like the normal things like friendship bites or altercations or friendship fizzle outs, um, but nothing that I felt like I wasn't prepared to handle or manage on my own until right after college. Um, I had this really close friend, what I labeled at the time best friend, but I don't believe in best friend anymore. So we can unpack that too. Um, but we she decided one day that she didn't want to be friends anymore. And I was completely blindsided. I didn't know why. And it was heartbreaking. I almost like likened it to being in like a romantic relationship and just one day that person doesn't want to be part of it after like six years of investing time and energy and, and love into it. And At the same time, I was starting my master's program um, at UPenn studying positive psychology, which if you're not familiar with it, it's like the study of, of well-being and thriving and human flourishing. And I had to pick a topic for my thesis. And I loved everything I was studying, but there wasn't something I was like really tied to. And I was also going through this friendship breakup at the time. And I thought, okay, I'm at school to study human flourishing and human thriving. Like there must be something in the research. There must be something in a book I'm reading that can actually help me in my experience. And there was a lot on romantic relationships. There was a lot on familial relationships and attachment theory and things that relate to friendship, but wasn't like core to what I was experiencing. And so almost as like a healing mechanism, I thought like, hey like there's not a lot in the research space on friendship why don't i focus my my master's thesis on maintaining and strengthening friendships in adulthood um and it was beautiful it was such a great healing process for me i did like interviews and focus groups with exemplar friendships so people who are really happy and proud in their friendships um and it was wonderful to see kind of what illuminated through that about how people keep friendships alive why they constantly recommit to one another Um, And was a lot of really beautiful lessons to me about how to show up as a better friend and maybe prevent like friendship breakups in the future. So that was kind of the catalyst to everything. So I wrote like this 80 page way too long thesis on (laughs) friendship um, and uh, thousands of people downloaded it. And I was like, okay, I I can't be alone in wanting more support from the world on topics like this. And so I was like, how can I make this thesis that no one wants to read? I don't want to read more accessible, more digestible, more practical. Um, And I was on a walk with our mutual friend, Avery in San Francisco, like just pouring my heart out about how much I love this topic and how I felt there was a need in the world and how I like wasn't quite brave enough to do anything about it. And she was like, well, Mads, you should just like create an Instagram. Like if anything, I'll follow you and we can just like riff back and forth on friendship ideas and I was like, okay, I have one person who would care and is like committed to being with me in it, and so I did it. Um, and I'm so grateful for her. I think, I think back to like those little moments of like friendship, inspiration that you need to just like be brave and do the thing that you love. And she will always be such an important part of that story. So I like stumbled through this Instagram platform was like making really ugly posts did not have like consistent branding or anything but it was fun and I loved it um and then I started to get a little bit better at like building a community and helping people um and a bunch of people started reaching out about coaching they were like hey I have this like very specific need or focus area and I just want to like talk to someone about it and get your advice and thoughts um and so the coaching practice kind of blossomed out of that um But I love it. It gives me so much energy. I have like a regular full time job. This is just like a side thing that I do. But um, it keeps me so alive and engaged. And honestly, like a much better friend throughout the process. I learned so much from the community and people that I coach. So that was very long winded, but (laughs) it was kind of like a windy story. So
2: thank you for asking. It was perfect. And friendship is something that brings so much joy and value and richness to our lives. But interestingly, there. Isn't a lot of information mm-hmm. on it. You know, I, I think a lot of us are just kind of flailing, hoping to be a good friend and trying to trying our best, but we don't have a whole lot of tactical advice. And so I it makes total sense to me why your thesis resonated with so many people and why your Instagram resonates with so many people.
1: Thank you. You're so sweet. Yeah, and I think there's also Like, there's also a lot of shame around it when it doesn't go well. Like, I remember being at work, it was the day after my friend decided she didn't want to be friends anymore, and I was, like, holding back tears, and my manager obviously recognized that and was like, what's wrong? And I felt so embarrassed to say, like, I'm sad that my friend doesn't want to be friends, but if I had broken up from, like, a six-year relationship, I probably would have taken the day off. So it's also about, like, holding space for when things are really weird or hard or just tricky. Um, so I just want to recognize that too, but yeah, it's a really powerful, beautiful thing in life. Um, especially for people who like, don't have great relationships with their family. Like you need friends, I think in a lot of instances just to survive. So. Oh, for sure.
0: For sure. I, um, I think that's interesting what you said about a lot of shame around it also, because I feel like if something, um, isn't, isn't quite going well in a romantic relationship. Like everyone knows, that's normal and two-sided. And I think there's lots of you know coaching on how to work through it, lots of advice out there. But with friendship, I think when things aren't going well, I think a lot of the shame comes from this um, thought of like, is it me? Mm-hmm. Like, am I the one doing things wrong? Like, yeah, if I was doing everything right, they'd want to be my friend. You know, really? and I don't think there's as much practical advice or coaching out there. So I just, I love what you're putting out. Anyway, I want to jump right in um, with our first question. And this, I actually, I love this question. It was really common. A lot of these questions were repeated. So um, we kind of consolidated and, and stuck with general topics that, that um, people were asking about. But one of them, someone said, I want advice on getting over the hump of occasional friends to close friends. And quite a few people asked about how do you start or how do you deepen a relationship with with acquaintances or with casual friends?
1: Yeah, it's a good one. And one I'm currently going through too. We just moved to Michigan and I feel like I'm almost spreading myself too thin. Like there's all these different people I'm interested in and maybe we can like go out for coffee, but I'm really craving a friend that I can just like sit next to and not talk to and like watch a movie, which <laughs> takes, I'm realizing like as a friendship coach, I'm like, oh wow, I'm actually, this takes so much time. Like, right. It it takes reps. So I think the first tip or piece of of advice is like, even if it feels exhausting, like keep keep getting reps in. So keep reaching out to that friend because you only have certain moments to get to know them, to hear about their story, to be vulnerable, to connect with them. Um, so I think getting over the hump is just like making sure that you're seeing them more frequently or maybe even for longer periods of time. Um, the research shows, I think it was... 180 hours to make like a close friend, which in the scope of like work and parenting and self-care, that's a lot of kind of little hangouts of time. So I think the first one is just getting in the reps um, and also being intentional about like the person that you're hanging out with. So like for me, I can't get in a bunch of reps with 10 different people. I really need to focus on like, okay, who are those people that I feel like maybe there's that like inexplicable chemistry, friendship chemistry that we can lean on, or maybe someone where we're in a similar life phase that will provide things to talk talk about or activities to do. So being intentional about who that person is that you want to get those reps in with. Um, And then in the research and a lot of the interviews that I did, um, it was support and vulnerability, which I feel like a lot of times are the like two sides of the same coin. Um, And vulnerability can be something positive too. Like it doesn't have to be I'm struggling with this and I need help. It can be like, Hey, I just got a job promotion. I'm really excited about it. And I want to tell you about it. So I think vulnerability can be scary at first, but to start, you can just start with like expressing any type of emotion or inviting someone in to like important parts of your life. I think another piece of vulnerability is like introducing a spouse or a child to the friendship. Um, that can be like positivity and vulnerability together. Um, but then if you feel like psychologically safe to start to ask for help, I think that's a great way to start to build a friendship. So like Paris, I see you're really good at and Brit, I see you're really good at podcasts. Like I want to start one for a flourishing friend, but I don't know how to. Like maybe that can be something that you feel like you're contributing to the friendship and I feel like I'm getting help um, and vice versa. I think oftentimes it just takes like one person to ask for help or be vulnerable and it kind of creates this like virtual cycle um, of vulnerability and support. It takes a while though to feel comfortable with someone. So it's kind of tricky.
2: Okay, so many people asked about vulnerability. Yeah. Because people, you know, we feel uncomfortable because we want to be vulnerable. I think a lot of us know that vulnerability is required for a close friendship, and that's what we all want. So a lot of people ask the question, how do I be vulnerable without feeling like I'm oversharing or without feeling nervous about my private information, you know, getting out to the world? and a lot of people also express this feeling of going to an event or hanging out with a friend and then afterwards just feeling like they're just cringing at themselves at everything they did and <laughs> overthinking and over- overthinking every little thing they said. What advice would you give to those of us that have found ourselves in that situation?
1: Yeah, I would almost. So in coaching, I try not to give advice. Like My objective and role is to like ask questions because y'all have the answers and I'm just here to like facilitate it. So I think if this was like a coaching session, I'd probably ask, like, why are you feeling, I know it's like labeled a vulnerability hangover. So like, why are you feeling cringy after being vulnerable with this person? Like, where is it stemming from? Maybe it's stemming from like a lack of trust, which you alluded to, so that like other people are going to find out and that's kind of like scary and coming from a place of fear, Maybe it's just that, like, you felt like you talked too much and you feel guilty that, like, the other person didn't get to speak up or share anything about themselves. Um, Maybe it's coming from a place of, like, you just need to stop talking about this negative thing that happened to you and like start reframing it as a positive thing and just like stop complaining. I do that often where I'm like, I just, I can't, if someone asks me this question, I need to come up with a better answer because I'm just going to go down this rabbit hole of vulnerability. So I think it can be a couple of different things. um, And I think it's important. I know it's important to be in tune with that. Um, One thing I always try to do is like, pay attention to the clock. So like, if I feel like I have been talking too long or if a friend is really great at asking questions sometimes I'll like cut them off with a question so if like Paris you're asking me well like tell me more about that how did that feel and I'm gonna be like you know what like I've talked too much like let's talk about you what's going on with work I switch it pretty quickly sometimes because I can catch myself starting to feel cringy or starting to feel exhausted or just really like wanting to stop listening to myself talk and hear what my is going on in my friend's life Um, and I think you can do that by being like, I so appreciate you listening. Like, this is really cathartic to talk about it. And like, I'm so excited to hear about what's going on with your new podcast episode. Let's talk about that. Um, but it takes a second to kind of like practice that motion, especially if you're talking about something that's like really close to home or really painful or really important in your life. Um. You can also set expectations with friends if they know something is going on and they want to like they're going to ask you about it. You could say like, hey, I'm not like in an emotional place to talk about that today. I'd love to maybe talk about that next time, but I just want to focus on X, Y, Z or focus on being positive today. Um, I think we're not used to like setting those types of boundaries or expectations. But when I have people are usually pretty receptive to them.
2: Yeah. I don't
1: know. What works, what works for you when you catch yourself kind of going down a vulnerability rabbit hole? Oh, that's or what it? keeps you in that?
2: I I have learned I think the older I get and the more I build my friendships, I I think I've become more in tune with when it feels appropriate to share and when it doesn't. Mm. And I think I as just I've matured in my friendships, I have certain friendships where I am really comfortable sharing and then certain friendships that just aren't there yet and I feel like I personally have become better at discerning when is when that's supposed to be. But I love that thought of watching the clock because it, it's so true. You know, friendship is two-sided. If they listen to you talk the whole time, it's not gonna feel very good for either of you. And that yeah. doesn't actually create a whole lot of bonding. So I think sometimes in this effort to create a close friendship and to you know go from cl- these acquaintances to close friends, we can feel like, Oh, I need to be vulnerable. So we just dump everything. And then that doesn't feel good because we maybe feel like we overshare and it doesn't feel good to them because they didn't share anything about themselves. And so sometimes we just swing too far in that, that direction. So I like those questions that you are framing a lot, just so it's a good check-in for ourselves, you know, am I, am I really truly being vulnerable here? Am I, and I, I also love the thought of like, okay, introducing to your spouse, that's vulnerable. And you know, when your kids are involved, that's vulnerable. And there are all these different types of vulnerability that are maybe a little bit more positive that I haven't totally thought about. So. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I love that. And it's, I love your point about like the trusting and discerning who you want to be vulnerable with. I think that's really important because sometimes I've started to realize like, I don't feel that cringiness if it's someone I have like a, a really trusting, psychologically safe relationship with, because yeah. I know they're not going to judge me. I know they're not going to share it with anyone else. I know that next time I can say like, we talked about me all last time. Please tell me what's happening in your life.
2: Yeah. I, like when she wrote this question in, I resonated with it a hundred percent. Like I have felt that I've left a hangout and been like, what was I doing? But that's <laughs> that's not something that happens when I'm with my closest friends. Right. So.
1: So, yeah. So maybe it's like an indicator that they aren't a close friend. Maybe it's an indicator that you like need to strengthen it before you are a little bit more vulnerable. It can Mm -hmm. tell us a lot, but Yeah. yeah, I love your reflections.
0: I'm glad though, that you talked about practice because I think that that's something that, especially when you're feeling that like vulnerability hangover or, you know, just like guilty or embarrassed or whatever it is. It's like, you want to just snap out of it. You want to be like, okay, from now on, I'm never talking about myself. <laughs> I'm never going to do something stupid in a group. Hangout. <laughs> and like, inevitably that happens. Right? right. So I love that you talk about practice. I think this is something that I am consciously thinking about often. I love to talk. And if you ask me a question, like I'll have 100 opinions on it. And I could go deep on. all.
1: (laughs) And (laughs) we love that because there's some people that don't like to talk. So keep being you, (laughs) Britt.
0: And so I think this is something I'm still working on. But I love that you bring up practice because I feel like I'm practicing. And I've no like sometimes I'll leave a hangout now and be like, oh, my gosh, like they talked the whole time. And I was so engaged. And like, I'm proud of myself that I I naturally fell into that without having to think about it. Or there are other times where I'll go to hang out maybe in a group setting and, and sometimes in a group setting, I, I feel like I'm not sure how to, um, just like the natural flow of conversation. Is it, you know, do you pull one person more? So it's like one-on-one, do you, Mm -hmm bring up a conversation everyone wants to listen to. Sometimes I get embarrassed if I'm talking and then everyone starts listening because I feel like oh, all the words. attention is on me. Absolutely. Yeah. I didn't mean to like have all the attention. You right. know? So sometimes when I'm going to a group hangout, I have started to think about who's gonna be there and what things mm-hmm. I have known about them um that's going on like in that moment so that I have questions prepared beforehand.
1: It's so smart. It's like friendship prep. I do that a lot. I've been doing it a lot now, especially because you know those friendships where you go and you're like, we're can, we going to talk about everything under the sun. It's going to be so natural and you leave feeling so energized. And then the new friendships where you're like, please, like heaven forbid, there's like an awkward silence and I don't know what (laughs) question to ask. It's like the the absolute worst. It's like my biggest fear. Um, And so, yeah, it's almost like friendship prep. I know like last week I was meeting up with a friend for, like, the second time, and I was like, okay, let me go on Instagram. I need to, like, remind myself of her husband's name, like, where they're living, what's going on in their life. Okay, they just went on this trip. I can ask about that, and I always come with, like, okay, three topics, three questions that I can ask Ooh, just to keep it. the conversation going, um, and okay, just, like, a well. little bit of prep so that you feel confident, because I think oftentimes, like, it's just, it's the insecurities that make the awkward moments, so, like, the more oh, okay. you feel confident and showing yeah. up, the hopefully more natural it'll be. But yeah, I love the little friendship prep moments.
0: Okay. Another question that was very popular, um, many versions of this question, but the idea was, how do you know when to leave a friendship? Mm. And at what point, this is maybe a little bit more niche version of that question, but at what point do you feel like you've had so many failed attempts at reaching out or feeling left out or whatever that you just take a hint and stop putting effort into into that friendship?
1: Yeah, this one comes up a lot in coaching, um, because we really we like give it our best. We're like, okay, I'm I'm committed to trying to make this work, and it's really especially if it already if the friendship has a lot of history, like if it's a high school friend or a college friend um, or a neighbor that you grew up, it's just hard to kind of feel okay leaving it. Um, so I talk about this a lot in coaching. I think it all starts with understanding who you are in friendship and what you need from friendship and it changes over time. So it's like a constant recalibration of, okay, who Madison am I? What do I value in friendship? What do I need from people? And are those people able to provide it or not? Um, and it can be to certain degrees. Like we have some friends who maybe the reciprocity isn't 100% and we're constantly reaching out and they're doing it sometimes like that's, that's okay. Um, but I need to be aware of if it's reciprocity, if it's support, if it's vulnerability, we've all been in those relationships where like our friend, their friends just don't open up. Like they're not willing to share anything. Um, or maybe they seem closed off and you need to pull away. So I usually do a lot of work at the start on like, okay, who is, my client now and what are they caring about and what do they need from friendship in their life? Um, And is that person providing it? And I think it's important that like you give, I think everyone would like give their friends the benefit of the doubt, but a lot of people like go through really hard phases of life, whether it's like becoming a new parent or starting a new job and maybe just can't show up in the friendship in the ways that they used to or that they want to. So I think having conversations up front around Like, hey, Britt, I would really love to see you more often. We used to see each other every week. Like, is there something going on in your life that I can support you with? And just like having those more honest conversations about not what I like need and I want to ask from you, but like what I hope we can experience and share together and making positive assumptions that you want that too. And maybe you can't provide it. So I think a lot of times leading up to leading a friendship, like you need to be having those conversations because a lot of times you can salvage a friendship. Um, just by resetting expectations or setting boundaries. Um, So I usually don't advise like leaving a friendship completely unless it's like super toxic or there's like trauma, things associated. Um, So yeah, those honest conversations about boundaries, I think are really important. Um, And then resetting expectations with yourself. So before like completely breaking off a friendship, maybe it's a friendship that you were providing like 10 energy and you now want to provide five okay, like how can we start to work through that and set expectations with a friend? Maybe it's not explicitly because that's awkward. Like Paris, I only want to give you five energy <laughs> instead of 10 energy. <laughs> but like, how do you pull back? And maybe it's, okay, you only asked to hang out once a month instead of the weekly things that you did. Or um, maybe it's sending a text every once in a while. But there's ways to, I think, disengage from a friendship to protect yourself if that's the case or disengage because they're not providing what you need without completely severing the relationship. Because I think ultimately- None of us really want to do that. We want that, like, love um, and support in our life. But maybe it just looks different in the phase of life that we're entering into.
2: Totally. I think that's such a good point. Um, I was wondering, what would you you say if it's the case where it's not an old friendship? It's, you know, Mm -hmm. somebody that you were hoping to connect with. You're really hoping you were going to be good friends. And then it's just not really taking off. Like, you feel like you keep reaching out. It's not really getting picked up or you're feeling like they're leaving you out a lot mm-hmm. at what point do you say like okay you need to go this friendship isn't going to be it for you like go invest somewhere else yeah when, you're, when you don't have like those emotional connections of someone that you do really want to work really hard to preserve that friendship with
1: totally it's such a good it's such an important nuance um i actually decided this last week so it's like very it hits home for me um there's this girlfriend here our kids are the same age we knew each other a little bit in college I don't have a lot of friends here. And I'm like, oh, she seems great. We have kids. There's like mutual experiences that we can bond over. Um, And I'm always the one to reach out. And we have a, I think I have a great time when we hang out. Um, But she's slow to respond to my texts. She doesn't often like ask to hang out. And reciprocity is a big one for me. um, Because it doesn't, I don't feel like loved in the friendship if she's not reaching out. Um, So I want to feel secure. I want to feel confident. I want to be appreciated for like what I bring to the friendship. And I don't, feel that way um and it took me probably maybe like five or six reps of hanging out trying to hang out again to feel that way um but i would i think you know it in your gut and your intuition like i would just pay attention to when you go to text that friend again how it feels like does it feel do you feel super hopeful and motivated or do you feel like you're forcing it and you're kind of losing steam um the last like two times i just felt like okay I don't think this is going to work, and I only have limited energy. So, why don't I try to pick someone else? Because um, I want, like, I want my friend to want to be friends with me, and okay. we are all deserving of that. Um, so, yeah, it's a little bit. Of, I think of like paying attention to your energy as you're trying to connect with them.
2: That's a great point, and I honestly think even getting to this point where you're wondering, you know, this mm-hmm. is starting to feel pretty one-sided. I'm reaching out way more. This isn't feeling good to me you know, I feel like that kind of says all that needs to be said, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I know. How to cause it, is it different for you both? Is there like an emotion that you feel or kind of a boundary that you set where if after a certain amount of times people aren't reaching out or how do you decide when to kind of invest energy elsewhere?
2: For me, I think it's a hundred percent a feeling, not necessarily mm-hmm. like a number, but yeah. I, I have been in this situation and I've just kind of realized, you know, okay, this person for whatever reason doesn't have the energy or that they want to or can give to my friendship right now. And that's okay. There's someone else that there's someone else that needs me and needs my friendship. Mm -hmm. It will feel like it has more, it's more reciprocated and that will feel better to me and it'll be better for them. And I am trying to learn how to not take that personally because you know, everyone's at a different point in their lives. I think some people really need friends and some people, some people don't as much, or they need a friend that's in a different geographic location, or they mm-hmm. need a friend that is in a similar different phase of life. And we all have different needs. And so, um, yeah, that's been a process for me learning to not take it as personally, but when I get that feeling of, Oh, this isn't feeling good anymore, then yeah, honestly, I, I have had the experience of not like, Oh, I'm done with this friendship, but Oh, I'm done putting in a lot of effort to this friendship. Mm-hmm. and I still love this person, and it's still still good feelings, but I'm not going to be reaching out all the time when it's when it's being met with crickets because that doesn't feel good. And mm-hmm. I try not to be frustrated with them and not be frustrated like feel shame around it myself, but still move on and put that energy in a different friendship.
1: yeah, you yeah.
2: alluded to this. It's so beautiful. you
1: you almost alluded to like stepping into their shoes. Like I've been in the position where I can't take on more friends. And that, that is really beautiful too, because I think like, to your point, it can, it's hard after this is happening for many times, it's hard to not be like, okay, well, what's wrong with me? Like, is the friendship I have to give broken? Like, why aren't people interested in in me and what I have to offer? Um, but then I also think of like, there's so many times where I'm like, I cannot take on one more friend. Like I do not have the mental capacity to like, remember one more birthday, show up how I want to show up for these people, for these friends. Um, So I think the moment you kind of put yourself in a person's shoes or think about a time when you were at like a friendship capacity um, or just had a boundary on how many people you were wanted to let in, um, it softens the blow a little bit. Totally.
0: Well, and I feel like you brought up a couple of really important points that one was you talked about Oh, um having honest conversations and not mm. just not just making assumptions all the time. Like if you're feeling like you overshared or if you're feeling like you have hopes for a friendship, it's okay to vocalize those things. Totally.
2: And
0: it's okay the next time you hang out to be like, Oh my gosh, I talked the entire time. I want to hear about you. Or it's okay if you're um you feel like you're putting yourself out there in a friendship to say, I feel like we could be you, I think you posted this on your Instagram actually recently. I feel like we could be really good friends. Yeah. I tend
1: That to somebody and I felt so nervous. (laughs) It's so scary. It's vulnerable. It's so scary. Yeah. Because what if they're like, wait, no, I
2: don't. We're just kind of (laughs) I'm just kidding. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's nice.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. But I think
0: for me, a lot of times I assume that like there's these unspoken rules that you just have to keep it all inside. Mm -hmm. And just being able to vocalize it really diffuses a lot of that um, like anxiety, it just being able to put it out there. I'm like, Oh wait, I can
1: say that. And it actually does feel a lot better to get it out. Well, and it's think perfect. if someone texted you like Britt, I think we could be like, what if after this, after this podcast, so we're meeting for the first time I text you both. And I was like, Hey, like we should actually be friends. Like uh, being on the receiving end of that feels so It's good. so yes. warming. Yeah. So like, we just oh, need like- to give it to each other more. Cause I think everyone's. Yes. Yeah.
2: And
0: then I loved what Paris said about putting yourself in someone else's shoes. I had to bring up that, For me with this, I think this is totally something you feel out with making a new friend or how many times you reach out before you feel like, oh, I'm not going to put as much effort into that. Because I do have a couple of friendships where I feel like I am the one always reaching out. And the thing that keeps me reaching out is like every time I see them, that's when I get this like reciprocity. It Mm. may not be that they're always reaching out to me. But when I see them, it's like such great connection, such great conversation. And I, in that moment, I'm like, okay, this is worth it. So maybe I'm not reaching out a 10 because that wouldn't be worth it, but I'll reach out a five because I do get paid back in that way. And there have been times where I feel like Paris and I, like at one point I was just like so tapped out, so spread thin. And Paris came to me like, I feel like maybe you need a little less. And I'm like, yeah, I do. (laughs) Like, I just can't keep up right now. You know, I appreciated that at that time. And so sometimes I think just being able to recognize that someone else might be in that exact same position. But if when you're together, you're still getting that positive energy, I think you can read a lot from that. You know what I mean?
1: Well, and the like friendship norms are different. Even every friend. So like Maybe you're the person who always reaches out and Paris is the person who always plants it. And that's fine. Like right. maybe Paris never reaches out to you and that's fine for your friendship. There's no, there's no rules. Like right, you can right. set the expectations and the norms for what works for you, which I think sometimes we forget about.
0: Totally. Okay. Another big topic I want to cover is, uh, again, lots of different versions, how to gather without being exclusive. A lot of people mentioned um, things like a book club or um, just like regular meetings, or even I know a lot of people do Bunko Mm. and they're like, there is, I can't host 50 people, you know, I have to limit the group and, and what if somebody posts about it? And I feel, you know, I don't want someone's feelings to get hurt. Anyway, just a lot of variations of this question, but how do you get together with people without feeling like it's exclusive or without feeling like you're leaving someone out?
1: This is such a good one. I was... I saw this question. I actually haven't thought about it like too. It doesn't come up often in coaching. I think like where people are usually like to the fundamentals, and this is so nuanced. So I I love this question. I've been thinking about it a little bit. So I would love your both of your reactions to this too. Um, this is interesting. I last I think there was a reference to like a a cookbook club, and I laughed because I was like. This was like, I don't need to be invited to a cookbook club. I hate cooking. Like, please do not invite me to the cookbook club. And it started getting me thinking like, we are worried about being exclusive, but would our friends want to be there? Like, one, sure, maybe there's a friend group and one person is left out. Like, that's a concern because it's like truly exclusive. And I would be sad if I was not there, regardless of what, if it's cookbook club or something else that I. I'm not interested in um, because all my friends are gathering and I'm not included. So I think that's something to be hyper aware of. Um, And with that, if it's one, two people, I would just include them for the sake of like protecting feelings. Um, Or if they're, I know sometimes with book clubs, like it's a set amount of people and you can't invite people in. So if you're not the host, like, is there a way to, Advocate for that person to be let in or to create something else where the whole group is doing something together. But that's one where I would, if it's one or two people, I would push back pretty hard on excluding them because there's like not a lot of ways to protect feelings, I don't think, in that situation. I think like everyone's just gonna be upset they're not there. Um if it's like there's all these different groups of people and you just think they're gonna be sad that they're not included because it's something fun. Um One, I'd understand, like, try to understand, like, what their interest areas are. Like, do they want to participate in cookbook? Do they just want to be part of something cool that you're doing? Um, And are there opportunities to, like, invite them to something else? So the cookbook club or, like, a book club sounds, like, more like a ritual. So are there opportunities to create, like, other types of rituals with different friends so that they feel like they're getting that time with you, but it's just a different interaction? So I'm thinking, like, on Wednesdays we go to yoga together or – on the first Saturday of every month, we get together with these five group of girls. Um, because I think oftentimes when we feel excluded, when someone comes to us and they're like, "Hey, my feelings are hurt that I was excluded," sometimes it can be annoying because you're like, "I'm trying to include everyone. Like, I love you. Like, why are you being so sensitive?" <laughs> sometimes I feel this way, right. but it's like they just want your love and your attention um, and to feel confident that they are an important person in your life. So I think oftentimes you can mitigate someone feeling excluded if you proactively plan something with them. That's more of like a ritual base. So they know that you're going to see them every month or two weeks or quarter or things like that. Um, The posting is hard. um, Especially if it's something that like you're proud of, like if you're hosting a book club and you're proud of the table decorations or the meal that you created, um, I would do my best to not include people in the posts. Like there's a way to highlight the memory and focus on like a space that you created without showing all the people there. So maybe avoid group photos and you can like do a pair, a picture of like Paris and Brit together. And they, both of them were there, but not allude to the fact that like, there's a ton of people at my house and like Madison wasn't invited. Um, So I think there's ways to still post about it and share it and celebrate it. Maybe without like, group photos um because I know for me I don't know if you feel this way but if I know like there's three of my friends hanging out and I wasn't included it's like okay that hurts but like maybe they were like going to yoga class that I couldn't make it to but if there's like 15 of my friends hanging out and I wasn't included that's like a oh they like there's something wrong with me like they purposely didn't include me um So there's like different levels of like sensitivity. I think it's important to be aware of, but this one is, so this was like, these are like Madison thoughts from last night, but let me know what, how have you two navigated this in terms of like groups of friends and making sure people feel included?
0: I think Paris and I both feel overwhelmingly, uh, we agree with what you said about if there's one or two people that are obviously left out, you include them, like Mm -hmm. just no question. That's what you do. Um, I love the idea that you shared about proactively inviting a friend to something else so that they know, like, I think a lot of that, those hurt feelings come from insecurity. Obviously that's where all the hurt feelings come from (laughs) and um, just proactively inviting them to do something else. it, it. I think it um, sort of appeases that you know, like mm-hmm. I still care about you and you matter to me, but like this might not be the right fit, in, you know, for whatever reason. So I, yeah. I liked that idea.
2: Yeah, I have to say I was so excited to get your thoughts on this because this is something personally that I have really struggled with over the past couple of years, and I, Britt, and I have actually had lengthy conversations about it because, like, for example, cook cookbook club that someone talked about, and and I'm in a cookbook club, and you know, there's a certain intimacy when you're gathering with 12 mm. girls every month and you know that everyone's going to make a commitment to be there and it's going to be the same 12 people. And, you know, like I said, there's this intimacy that comes from that. And when it's an open invitation, I feel like people are a little bit less committed. Like you don't know who's going to show up and you may be different. making people, small talk
0: every time. Totally
2: mm-hmm. And then it gets big and then it's not sustainable. So for me personally, one thing that I have, kind of come to feel good about is, okay, I might have this certain thing, like cookbook club, that's exclusive, like this certain thing is for this certain group of people. And this is what I do with these 12 people. But yeah. that doesn't mean that we are like an exclusive friend group. That doesn't mean like, oh, these, this is my group of friends, and you can't be our friend. It's right. Like, this is an activity that makes sense for this number of people. And it's a ritual. And it's great. But you know, there's someone else that I want to get to know and love. Like I will reach out to them and I will do something with them. And I will like, you know, I'll do, you know, book club with a totally different group of girls or whatever it is. And so I'm, you know, I can be a part of an exclusive group without being having an exclusive mentality or being an exclusive person. That's mm-hmm. thing that I've tried to really work towards because, you know, it's, it's hard because having that smaller group, does make it feel different but yeah i agree we've talked about that too like if there's one or two people that like it's like oh they're obviously not here you know one or two people is not going to make yes. a big difference and it's but not worth
1: the hurt feelings
2: yeah you know, they should always be included like just that's the kind thing to do but
1: mm-hmm.
2: anyways th- those are kind of my overwhelming thoughts on that specific scenario
1: yeah it's tricky and i i wonder too if there's ways like I wonder if like once a quarter cookbook club is an open invitation and like every person brings a friend to yeah. like introduce them to the group and kind of span the group. Like, I think there's creative ways you can do that. You can also like be explicit with your friends be like, Hey, I'd love to invite you, but like we've created a really like trusting space and there's people going through different things and I know they're going to talk about it. And I just don't know if I can like invite you tonight, but like let's go get dinner tomorrow night. Right.
0: Or even sometimes I think even if you're going with your friends from, maybe you know a a recurring hangout if you're going with them to the park with your kids why can't you invite somebody else totally like maybe that should yeah maybe they can't come to book club but you for sure could all go to the park together or you could go on a walk or and I think that also helps diffuse some of that as well
1: yeah yeah this will be interesting one I'm sure your community will have more ideas on this so Hopefully it can be a continuous conversation.
2: I honestly think it's one of those things that can't be done perfectly, but if you're Mm -hmm. doing it from a place of like love for for all of your friends, then, you know, hopefully we can all like figure it out together and try our best. Totally. Totally. Yep. Okay. Another hot topic, how to deal with FOMO. I know everyone has varying levels of
0: FOMO. (laughs) Some, one girl specifically shared that her friend group, does multiple girls nights every month and she feels like it's a lot. And she was like, I want to drop out of the book club that they do, but I also have major FOMO because I know I'm missing out every month. And how do you deal with that? What do you do?
1: Yeah, this is funny. I'm like more of like a, I don't know if you've heard of Jomo, but like joy of missing out. I'm like, oh yeah, I don't have to leave my house. I can like (laughs) watch a movie by myself. No, I definitely have moments of FOMO. Um, and they are real. And I guess what I would ask this person or people who are feeling FOMO is like what are you like what do you feel fear, fear you're missing out on like is it the connection that you would have with a person because we can just schedule more time for you to connect with someone there that you're interested in is it like you're worried that fearful that they're gonna develop a stronger bond and then you're gonna be left behind right can we
0: dive a little deeper on that yeah. particular I think mm-hmm. that's is- really common with women in particular. I mean, I don't know, maybe everybody, um, like probably (laughs) men feel, (laughs) um, but that particular idea of if I really, somebody actually also brought this up. What if there's a friendship I've really been looking forward to, I've been anticipating getting closer and then they get really close to somebody else. Mm. And I'm feeling disappointed by that. I think this idea of like, what if these people get closer? It makes me feel like I'm less close. And I think that's where a lot of FOMO comes from too. Can we like talk about that for a sec? Yeah,
1: of course. Um, It's a tricky one because I I think it maybe almost stems from this like best friend concept too. Like if they are best friends, then I'm automatically an outsider because like they have this friendship that I'm not a part of, um, which is real. Like that's a very real feeling. Um, And I think it depends on if it's like you want to so say it's like it's us three and you two are getting closer is it stemming from a place of like well I just really want to be close to Paris and I feel like Brit is a threat to that or I want this to be a trio but it's not going to be a trio if you two are best friends like that's a different nuance to what I'm actually hoping for um if it's just that I want to be close with Paris like we can schedule more time together. Paris is allowed to have other close friends and I can still have a similar closeness to her. So that's like a different approach. I think it's like very tricky when you have a trio or you want to be part of a trio and other people are bonding over certain things or they're feeling stronger. I haven't cracked the trio code. I steer clear of trios and friendships just because they're like, they're so hard to manage. And I'm like, I don't have time to manage this. I'm just going to do like large groups, four two. Um, so I'm not an expert on trio friendships at all. I think, I think part of the success of trio friendships is like a shared experience together that you can like kind of lean on as a foundation. And then there's always going to be experiences or topics that people like pair off into just because like you have experience um, in it or you're more interested in it. So for this one, it sounds like this woman doesn't want to go to book club anymore. Rather, she doesn't like, the book that they're reading, it's not energizing for her. Um, And so maybe it's kind of some like confidence work that I would likely do on like this group of friends, these people can have these relationships and you are still worthy of those relationships and can create them outside of book club. Maybe it's a different activity. Maybe it's less frequent. Maybe it's like hanging out with pockets of them in different ways, but I'd I'd be interested to know like why she doesn't want to go, go to book club. Um, it sounds like maybe it's just like too many reps a month and like too de-energizing. Um, yeah. And I think it's also like expectation setting around like these people are probably not going to like bond a crazy amount at book club. Like you're not going to really miss that much. Maybe you'll miss like little nuggets about people's lives that are important, but if you're friends with them, you're probably going to hear about them via other hangouts. Um, I don't know. What do you both think about this? Because the trios have not cracked that code.
0: I know. I was going to ask, you, <laughs> you know, that phrase, girls can't be friends in threes. And I was going to yeah. ask you, like, what do you think about that?
1: <laughs> I can't be friends in threes. Other people make it work, but I, I need to maybe do some interviews about how they make
0: there, it were, work. there were also questions about trios. So I'm glad yeah. that you came up. Yeah you know, I don't know. I do what I do, what I do um, definitely identify with is this feeling of not overbooking myself. I know that some people, like everyone has varying levels of how social they want to be. And I've had to come to accept the fact that like a lot of my friends might be way more social than me. I don't like to overbook myself. And I think just recognizing, like pausing, realizing what I feel like is best for me and my family and making decisions based off of that actually feels really empowering. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the teetering on the edge that's the most painful or the most difficult. When it's like, "Oh, but I don't know if that's the best thing. Oh, but what if I miss out? Oh, but I feel like my boys need me that night. Oh, but that's when it's like really hard to commit either way and I feel like you whatever way you end up going, you're not totally satisfied. Mm-hmm. But I think really like pulling yourself away, sitting down, thinking about what your needs are and then making a confident decision moving forward, that's when I feel like the FOMO is just like not there.
1: You know? Yeah, right. Because you're confident in yourself. You know who you are. You know your boundaries, you know your value. And you're like, book club, not going this week. Yeah. And it's fine. Yeah.
2: I actually just left like a group event. Um, it was actually a few months ago. But like my friends got together and did Bunko. And it was so fun. And I loved the group of girls that were doing it. But it was feeling really overwhelming to me because Bunko... I don't know if you've played, but it's you need twelve people, and if oh, someone wow. doesn't come, then it's kind of it's kind of, annoying. It's kind of annoying. yeah doesn't work. <laughs> you need twelve people, and I was feeling like, oh, this is really stressful to me to have something like at seven pm that I feel like I'm heavily committed to, and every month it was just a little bit stressful to me. It was something like, Oh, if I, if I don't come, I'm putting all these people out. And I feel Mm -hmm. like a lot of my other commitments, you know, they're loose, they're loose commitments or like, I have some things I really prioritize, but having something that I felt like is, it was like a casual get together, but people relied on me. It just wasn't, it wasn't feeling good. Like something about it was really stressful to me. And finally I was like, I, you know, like my husband, his work schedule is super random. And, you know, finding out the babysitter, it just wasn't, it just wasn't working. So I finally was like, replace me in this group, find another 12th person. I'm going to step away from this group. And I was sad to do it because, you know, it was like once a month that I got to hang out with these girls that I love, but it felt, I felt such a sense of relief when I did. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the girls that I was close with from that group, I'm still close with. We're still good friends. We still find other times to get together, but, in a format that makes a lot more sense for me. And so anyways, just having been in that, been in that position, it really does feel good. Like Britt said, to actually make a decision, the hearing yeah. is what felt uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. So when, so if, if they post, if someone posts and you see it, how do you feel now when you like see that they're hanging out without you?
2: Well, I know it was, a, I know it's a hundred percent my choice, you know, and mm-hmm. I like, I see it. I'm like, Oh, that's so fun. But it's, oh, that's so fun. I'm happy for them. Not, yeah, that's so fun. I wish I was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it was an intentional decision that I made. And honestly, I'm proud of myself for making it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's beautiful. I love that. And also a lot of times you can call friends and be like, "How is Bunko? How is book club? And you'll like hear a little bit about like what people are going through. I know sometimes okay. like if I have a conflict and I can't make it, but I call a friend that was there and I'm like, Hey, I've been thinking about Becky, how is she doing? Yeah. Like, you can get a little bit of the kernels, like not gossiping, but like what's going on in their life. Or like, oh, she's having a really hard time at work. Then when I call Becky, I can be like, hey, I heard from Sam, you're having a really hard time at work. Like what's going on? So, cool. and that's that's normal too. Okay,
0: we have another, our last question. We're running out of time. We, we're we gonna have to do a follow-up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I would I love to do a follow-up. follow-up. I could talk about this all day. And you <laughs> two are amazing. But yes. it
0: happen. Okay, somebody said, what if a friend has jumped to a different financial bracket? She specifically shared a story about couple friends and she just said, my husband and I are having a really hard time going out with these long time friends of ours because everything they want to do is so expensive.
1: Mm. It's so hard. It hits home. I have friends like this too, where there's just like more support from family. And so like investing in trips, aren't like as big of a deal as it would be to like me and my husband or like restaurants that we choose. It's like spendy for us and like a normal Wednesday for them. Um, so I think, I think most people experience this. Um, I think it's about boundary setting because in my experience, it's really a yucky feeling when you like leave something and you've had a really great friendship interaction, but you like feel stress and guilt financially about investing in it. Sometimes there's like things that are worth it, like a wedding. Okay, I'm going to spend whatever it takes to fly to... Paris and go see you at your wedding. Okay. Um, but like that requires like really intentional thought and planning with your spouse or if, if by yourself about like what you can and can't afford and what you're willing and not willing to spend when it's more like daily interactions. Um, I think it's about understanding like one, what you're comfortable spending for like certain occasions and aligning on that with whoever your partner is, whoever you're managing finances with. And then two, communicating that boundary to a friend. So I have one friend, um, who I've actually talked to about, um, talked about this with frequently and they, like their friends will go out to dinner and then they'll do an activity and their, their boundary is like, we will not participate in the dinner. Like we're going to make dinner at home. We like cooking together. We have our groceries, but we will always show up to the activity, um, depending on like how much it costs, but it's usually something that they can afford or their kind of flexibility is like, okay, if we're not Spending money on dinner, then we have more money for an activity. And their friends are, are totally fine with it. Um, and I think a lot of times, like our friends recognize that maybe we're in a different financial bracket. Um, so I think on the flip side, like be cognizant of that. Like, what do your couple of friends tend to engage in by themselves? Like, are they going to a park for free? Are they spending $100 to go to a concert? Like, just be aware of that. Um, and maybe suggest things that are a little bit anchored to more inexpensive. Um, It's tricky too. We're going on a couple's trip with our friends and we're meeting up in a city um, and they're in a different financial bracket than us. And so that's hard too because like they're going to a place and they want to have a good time and how they're envisioning a good time is different than what we potentially can afford. Um, So I think also being comfortable getting vulnerable about about it. So like for us, I will probably say I need to text my friend about this tonight. Like we just bought a house. I'm feeling a little stressed about finances. Like we're probably not going to like opt in to the boat tour. But we I found this garden park that we really want to go to and we can have a picnic and I'll like bring the food or something. So I think it's just feeling a little bit more comfortable having those conversations. And you can blame it on something like a house. It doesn't have to be like, hey, I have a job where I make less money. That can feel shameful. It can be like, hey, we're saving up for X, Y, Z, and I'm feeling strapped for cash. We have to like deprioritize this and focus on something else. Um, But I think you're always going to have more money than someone else and you're always going to have less money than someone else. So I think trying to step in different shoes about how to approach it and just being cognizant of it can help. Um, But yeah, this this one's a tricky one. And I think especially as you get older, you have kids buying homes, getting different jobs, it comes up more frequently. So it's an important one too.
2: I love the suggestion of, you know, you can take things into your own hands. Like, let's do this. Like this is, you can suggest things that are really fun, that are less expensive. And actually I didn't think about this when she wrote in, but the hearing you talk is reminding me, we actually, we share a friend group. And a couple months ago we were like, okay, we have to have a conversation. Every time it's someone's birthday, (laughs) like we're spending a ton of money and it's like, we would like go somewhere out together and we'd split the bill. and we're like, this is not, this is not like working. every person separately was stressed about it. Yes, <laughs> this, is not this isn't like feeling good to all of us. Like, let's just have an open conversation. What are the expectations for birthdays? What do we feel good about? And like, what standard are we going to set? So it's not like someone's birthday and everyone's like dropping a lot of money and then it's someone else's birthday and they're like feeling uncomfortable about it. Like let's just set expectations as friend groups a friend group. So like our fr- friend group, I hope this isn't too vulnerable. but our fr- friend group, we're like, okay, if we're having a birthday party, no one's expected to bring a gift. No one's expected that. to bring a gift. If you want to bring a gift and do it separately, like get anyone a birthday gift, but like, don't bring it to the party. Mm. We're not doing like someone's opening presents in front of everyone. And like, we're comparing, we're just not going to do that because, you know, if we're in a bigger friend group, that's once it, you know, that's coming up a lot and it just doesn't, it wasn't sitting super right with anybody anyways and I was honestly really proud of us as a friend group because I felt like it brought us all closer together and it really to once it was brought out into the open all of us were like yeah this isn't working
1: (laughs) that's amazing I'm obsessed with that idea
2: so yeah I would just like highly recommend setting expectations as a friend group. you know especially like we're where we're girlfriends and Mm -hmm. you know we're all like we're sharing accounts with our husband. Like, you know, it's just, uh, I feel like it's really appropriate. It's not super normal, but it's super appropriate to have those conversations.
1: Yeah. I love that. That's brilliant. I feel like next podcast, I should ask the question. You you both have such great examples of like making friendship work. You do. I'm like, I feel like I should ask the questions and y'all can get the answers. It's brilliant. I love it.
0: No, this has been so helpful. And again, I feel like that last question comes back to, I, again, you talking about honest conversations. I got the vibe and I don't know the specifics of this situation, but I did get the vibe that maybe this particular couple hasn't been like setting a boundary specifically around finances. It's mm-hmm. kind of been like making excuses like, oh, we can't go because of this thing or that thing. And this other couple that's in a different financial situation that's making more money, they may be totally unaware. As tone deaf as that feels, like they might just be unaware. And yeah. and if you could like shed a little light on that, they might be a lot more understanding and... You know, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I, we
1: want our friends to feel comfortable. We don't want them to feel awkward about right. anything, especially when you're coming a place for more. Like yeah. you don't, you don't want to make that more make someone else feel bad.
0: Yeah, totally, totally. Anyway, okay, thank you so much, Madison. Thank you.
1: You two are amazing.
0: We're. I'm not kidding. We will be scheduling.
1: <laughs> okay. I would love that.
2: Thank you for so generously sharing your knowledge. I know that you've worked oh, so hard sweet. to learn so much on this subject, and it has thank been such a joy to to learn from you on Instagram and now here on our podcast. So thank you so much for being. Thank you.
1: You both are doing such a good job in friendship. I I have to say that I've been impressed with all your examples and stories. So good going. Thank
2: you so much.
0: Yeah.